Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. I'm just recording a quick but important addendum to my forthcoming interview with Grandmaster Christian Carrilla. We talk about a lot of topics in our interview, wide-ranging chess conversation, but one of the topics we discuss about an hour in is the allegations of sexual assault against Grandmaster Alejandro Ramirez. Obviously, it's an extremely disturbing story. Uh, I just wanted to clarify that my interview with Grandmaster Carrilla was recorded on February 28th, 2023. I'm recording this addendum on March 9th, 2023. So we knew some details about the extent of the allegations at the time that we recorded, but not nearly as many as have come forth due to the March 7th uh, article in the Wall Street Journal uh, by Andrew Beaton and Joshua Robinson that reports that 10 women have come forward with allegations against Grandmaster Ramirez, including three underage girls. Uh, There's allegations of assault. It's an immensely disturbing story with lots of uh, horrifying details. Grandmaster Ramirez has stepped down as the coach of the St. Louis chess team and from his role at the St. Louis chess club. But um, it's, it's just extremely troubling the, the extent of the allegations and the fact that people have been trying to get this addressed for years. They've been notifying the St. Louis chess club at the U S chess federation for years. And not only was the investigation to the extent it was being investigated proceeding at a snail's pace, but to make things much worse, in 2022, Grandmaster Ramirez was still sent to coach the U.S. women's team uh, at the Olympiad. Uh, just unconscionable, inexplicable, uh, and yeah, it's, it's just it's just really aggravating. I don't know what else to say. Um, but I did just want to clarify that we did not have all that information at the time we recorded it. Um, I'm sure that, that I will be covering this story more and covering the general issue of, uh, misogyny and, and, uh, making sure that the chess world is a much safer space for all people, but especially for women and girls. I'm sure it'll be covering it on future episodes. Um, and I'm sure that Christian on the C-Squared podcast at some point will be saying more, but did just want to clarify that when we recorded on February 28th, uh, all this information had not yet uh, been reported. So um that's kind of all I had to say right now about that. But my, my heart goes out to the victims. Um, and yeah, the chess world just has to do much, much better. Um, so 
I would leave it at that and get you to my interview with Grandmaster Christian Gorilla. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. Before we introduce our illustrious guest, just wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Number one, of course, Chessable, the leading chess education platform. We are recording this here in the last day of February, but this will be released in March when there's lots of stuff coming from Chessable, including a new course by a certain Levy Rosman, Simon Williams, Daniel King, my friend, Grandmaster Eugene Perlstein, all have different opening courses out. And of course, whatever aspect of your game you want to work on, Chessable has something for you. Also wanted to give a shout out to Aim Chess. Of course, Aim Chess is a great way to review your online games. It automatically gets the games from chess.com and Lee Chess and tells you stuff to work on, shows you tactics you missed. If you check out aim chess be sure to use the code perpetual 30 to save 30 percent on a trial and let's get to our return guest he was a romanian youth champion and the 2007 world youth champion under age 16 winner of the 2018 national open uh popular st louis chess club commentator he's coach of the missouri university chess team and of course he worked on his friend grandmaster fabiano caruana's world championship team in 2018 and perhaps most importantly these days. He's the co-host of the C-Squared podcast with Fabiano Caruana. He's a return guest. We talked about his background way back in 2017 when the C-Squared podcast was just a twinkle in his eye. But now we are glad to welcome back to the show Grandmaster Christian Cadilla. Welcome, Christian. Wow, that's a, that's a very professional introduction. Thank you very much, uh, Ben. It's a great pleasure to be back once again on uh, the Best Chess podcast out there, Perpetual Chess. Oh, don't be silly. Now we're going to um, have to have to have a flatter off. But uh, but thank you. I mean, I've, I've got a lot of reps in on the podcast, but I absolutely love C-Squared. It's just uh, such a welcome addition. And you guys, um, you're raising the bars and bar in a lot of respects. So uh, mu- much respect. So let's dive into the pot. I mean, we've got a lot of topics to discuss, Christian, because you your hand is in so many sort of uh, stews in the the chess world. But so you guys started this podcast, and I know you've talked a bit about the genesis behind it. It's something you've wanted to do for a while. Um, what has surprised you about actually doing it as opposed to when you guys were brainstorming it? So we we started, I think, uh, talking about it sometimes in uh, May. Uh, I had ideas. Fabi, for example, was never super active on social media. Neither was I. Uh, but I feel like he has such a big voice in the world of chess. I felt that he should probably do something, and I've uh, I've talked uh, about this type of topics with him in the past as well during the World Championship match preparation. Even after that, we continued working um, uh, through 2019 as well. So we were always discussing these type of ideas, but then the pandemic came, and uh, 2020, 2022 is uh, sort of a blur, and I uh, tried my hand at streaming. Um, but streaming is such a tough uh, business, mostly because you have to be always um, in front of your PC. And I'm traveling a lot with, as you mentioned, the commentary that that was the big one. And as that returned, the Grandchester returned, the, the, the tournaments at the St. Louis Chess Club uh, returned, and I didn't have to stay um, as much in the house. Streaming became kind of a very, very difficult thing to do. Podcasting. Obviously, I've been listening to your podcast for a very long time. Uh, you've been doing it for so many years. You were, you were one of the uh, trailblazers, if you want to put it that way, in the world of chess podcasting. And I feel, even to this day, I feel like we still haven't tapped into the market yet. 
the market of chess podcasting. I still were, were very, very early. And I felt that as I was uh, discussing it with Fabiano as well in May 2022, that's when we kind of seriously started uh, talking about it. I think it was one of the tournaments uh, in Romania, the branches were in Romania, where we're just having some breakfast and started discussing about this idea. And um, I was mentioning the idea of starting a podcast uh, and, and I, I invited him. I told him that, look, I, I feel you have a voice. You've showed it during the World Championship match um, between Nepo and um, I think, well, I guess the Nepo and Magnus match. Um, he did great. He got a lot of positive feedback. Um, and I feel that was kind of a driving force for him as well to to, to start thinking in this direction. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how it started. Uh, as to what the most difficult thing in the first few months, because we're only like five or six months old at this point, um, it was just the logistics. The logistics are so difficult, especially um, we want to do... We had this vision of doing a very uh, visual heavy podcast yeah. uh, with a bunch of cameras, um, very well suited for YouTube. That was kind of uh, our, our initial vision. Uh, and so we had to uh, get the materials, first of all, get the cameras, get the microphones, get the, everything that goes, the lights as well, everything that kind of goes into into a podcast, into the creation and direction of a podcast. And then with a very limited team, it's me, Fabi, and occasionally uh, my fiance who acts as a producer as well. Now we have some editors as well, but putting that team together and and, and moving through uh, the initial phase and the logistics of it, carrying all the materials and equipment from place to place, setting up, um, in between rounds, sometimes uh, a, a podcast, and you know this is also not very easy for Fabi, who is uh, still very much uh, one of the best chess players out there, and he has to balance all these things. And and I, I try to keep that in mind, you know, and 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 not put too much weight, uh, too much production and logistic weight on him as much as possible. But yeah, those were the big problems at the beginning just kind of understanding how everything works, the equipment work, transporting things from one place to the other, setting them up, because that takes uh, a while as well. We got very proficient at it. Um, I think nowadays we can set up like a podcasting scene, let's say in uh, more or less 30 minutes or so, which is in the first couple of times, it took us like one, two hours. And that with having professionals with us like my fiance used to work in production so uh, she knows her stuff but still all all of these things were were, were new um, to myself to Fabi and to some extent to to the other part of our team as well well it's super impressive and the chess world certainly appreciates your dedication Christian but so let's take us behind the scenes a little bit, because that already surprised me about, I mean, obviously, I, I, it's clear that you're putting a lot into the visual production of the podcast, but I wasn't sure if you had like a permanent studio. And I'm also curious, like where, like, obviously, sometimes you guys are on the road, so sometimes circumstances change. But when you're in that nice big room with the chess set set up, uh, where, where are you guys doing that? Uh, which one? Which big room? <laughs> I can't <laughs> Is it, is it, you give me give me the guest that like Maurice that I think 
Uh, Maurice was done at the Chase Hotel. <laughs> okay. So th- that that was in my hotel room during the I think that was after the US Championship or perhaps in the middle of the US Championship. Um I think it was actually in the middle of the US Championship. Maurice came in town and we decided to have him on. Hikaru maybe that's one of the ones yeah. that you were thinking about that was actually done at Eric Rosen's house. Uh, <laughs> you, you can see that Eric Rosen is also having the same uh, background and the same scene um, in, in, in that one. So we've been finding places to, to shoot. Um, it's, it, it's a traveling podcast. We don't have currently a studio set up, but maybe in the future, and, and that's kind of the plan, we're going to try to do something um, so that we're a bit more centered when we have guests in St. Louis. And probably it's going to be St. Louis as the base, because that's where Fabi, uh, Fabi lives. A lot of potential guests also uh, come around very often for the tournaments. So um, that's probably the best place. But for the moment, it's kind of a traveling podcast. Makes sense. Okay. Well, I, I, I mean, I've watched nearly every episode and there's so many standouts. I mean, Maurice and Hikaru, obviously being two of them really enjoyed, uh, Levy Rosman, um, um, Levan. Yeah, Le- um, Levy was in LA. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all over the place <laughs> during the fight. Now, yeah. let me ask you, I mean, what you allude to with all these equipment, all this camera, like that stuff is expensive. I mean, as as someone who this is this is my profession. So I certainly know that, uh, you know, the production can be expensive. And also, like, it's not necessarily like you don't necessarily get rich from a podcast. Right. Um, right. So how did you guys approach like you're putting all this into it? Um, has that been uh, daunting for you guys? Um. I, I wouldn't say it's daunting. We understood early on that we're probably going to have some expenses. Um, those expenses, especially after the equipment is 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 done, have been leveled out right now. We don't have as many things that we need to spend money on. Um, obviously, we need an editor. I sometimes do the edit, uh, but uh, we, we usually hire some people as well. But those expenses are usually taken care of. Uh, uh, right now, the business. So, um, yeah, we understood there's going to be some expenses uh, in the beginning, but we also want to do this long term. Um, we don't know what the possibilities are in terms of uh, this being a business venture, but this is the way uh, we look at it. We also want to produce content for chess world. We want to put forward the stories of of, of chess players um, as you do as well and as you've been doing a great job with that as well so you were an inspiration at the beginning for sure so uh yeah that's 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 kind of the vision behind it um but yeah financially we understood it's going to be a strain at the beginning but we 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 took the leap Nice. Appreciated once again. And yeah, if I've learned anything in the six years I've been doing it is that the, the chess world has infinite stories. There's there's mm-hmm. always more stories. There's always more compelling guests. I mean, I certainly feel like uh, I can um, I can never get to everyone that I would like to speak with. And obviously, you guys with the reach that you have, like, must feel that even more. Um, yeah. 
So, so Christian, we got a question from a supporter of Perpetual Chess, who you've probably met in St. Louis at some point. It is uh, from uh, chess reporter Chris Wainscott, who mm-hmm. I know Chris. Asks, says, uh, what is your ultimate vision for the C-Squared podcast? Do you have any sort of plan? Or are you guys just taking it day by day? And he says, so far, the content has been gold. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, so far, I, I, I would say we're taking it day by day, but at the same time, we are committed to it. Um, we're also just very fresh. We, we, we're learning. Uh, we, we don't know exactly what we have to focus on, what we improve. We're still kind of uh, learning the ins and outs of, 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 of uh, podcasting, uh, where to upload, when to upload, uh, what channels to distribute your content through. So these are all still question mark uh, marks for us uh, for the moment. But um, obviously, we're getting also better at it. So that's actually part of, I think, why we both enjoy it so much uh, because there's new things that we're learning and that keep us engaged um, it's always fun to learn new things it's always fun to do things that you're not that good at and and get better at so i think this is this process has been something that we were focusing on and we've both enjoyed as to the final vision um I mean, we want we want to grow it as much as possible. We 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 want to reach an audience and and introduce new people through the stories that we present uh, to the world of chess. And um, I feel that's that's a market that's been expanding, especially in the last few years. Um, and and there's always new new people coming into the world of chess and and new fans that maybe don't know all the things that we know since we've been in the last in the chess world for like 20 30 years um maybe they don't know who uh, i'm sure they don't know who yasser serawan is but maybe they don't know his stories that well uh maybe they 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 don't know levon aronian as 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 personally so maybe they don't know judith polgar because uh, you know she retired and they don't know her as personally um, as uh, as maybe we can introduce them to her or to other guests. So uh, that's the vision. Just uh, introduce new people to 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 the people of chess. Excellent. Well, again, um, quite impressed with it. And you say you guys are new and learning, but you guys are both uh, quite good. You do a great job facilitating the conversation, and obviously. You've had a fascinating career uh, in in your own right, as we've discussed in our prior interview and uh, you touch on on C-squared. But Fabiano, I mean, as you mentioned, his commentary on the last world championship was excellent. Um, uh, As I told him when I interviewed him, it, it took me by surprise a little bit. I mean, everyone knows he's a brilliant guy. It's it's not that. But um, not everyone has the facility for sort of uh um, cutting through the fat and really uh, explaining complicated chess positions. He did an amazing job at that. And now I'm equally impressed with how forthcoming he's being on the the podcast. I mean, stuff like when you guys in your episode with uh, Jordan Von Forrest and Anish Giri, I mean, first of all, the, the perspective that Fabiano provided on uh, how his uh, partnership with uh, Grandmaster Kazimjanov ended. I mean, that's something you're not going to get anywhere else. And then to hear like Anish Giri and uh, Jordan 
um, discuss their own uh, personal history and uh, the ups and downs of it. Like it, it, it's just um, incredible perspective. So um, that's basically just me guys, me praising you guys. But my, my question for you, Christian, is do you feel like for Fabiano to be as forthcoming as he is, is that something that, that's taken prodding or is that just uh, come naturally to him once you actually do get him in front of the mic? I think once you get him in front of the mic, it, it, it comes naturally to him. I think um, perhaps he wasn't aware of, of, of where he stands in, in that regard previous to the World Championship match that he commentated. Um, but after that, after exposing his views, his, his knowledge of chess uh, to a wider audience and receiving such a positive feedback i think that was definitely a trigger for him and and uh a catalyst for him to kind of um make him open up and i mean in general he is a very open guy i i i knew that uh before because i've been hanging around with him for a very long time um but those attributes let's say shine through nowadays through the podcast i want to say um and i'm happy to see that 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 the world is is enjoying it as well yeah and and we had another good question from a patreon sub this one is from andre develd and it's on it's related to this topic he says he's wondering if you guys you christian and fabiano are afraid to combine friendship and work what if being part of the team part of team caruana somehow uh, ended up as it did with his former second, again, referring to Kazem Jano. So are you guys afraid that the chances uh, are high that at the end of you being part of the small team, it could affect your friendship in a regular, reg- sorry, in a negative way? Yeah, I mean, th- those are always questions that uh, you don't know the answer to until, I- I- until it happens if it happens, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, sure. I mean, our working relationship uh, after 2019 didn't continue for a few years. We just recently started once again working a little bit in in tournaments as well. Um, I've been helping him with with uh, during the Singfield Cup, for example, uh, and then during the recent Tata Steel as well. So we've resumed that, but yes, there was a gap in 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 our collaboration as. Um, as a second, myself as a second. Now, when it comes to the podcast, obviously this is a business that we are both um, um, working on. Um, we are both kind of collaborators with with equal rights. So at any point, it can happen that there's going to be quarrels and things of that nature. I hope there's that's not going to be the case, but um, you can never uh not have that in the back let's say not have that in the back of your mind um or or be surprised by it but i mean we're we're good friends we've known each other for a very long time um i don't foresee that happening um and i hope it certainly doesn't and i don't think that thinking about it should stop you from uh you know entering in this type of uh partnerships yeah, and you've but got that's double. Always an op- option. Yeah, right. that, that yeah. can always happen. Nobody knows, right? Yeah, but you, you you guys both seem, at least from the outside looking in, fairly easygoing. But but Christian, you're taking like double the risk because you know there's the old sort of uh, received advice about like uh, the the potential challenges of having like a working collaboration with your romantic partner, and you've got your fiance <laughs> in there as well. So. Yeah, that 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 one is. Um, she, she just wanted to help at the beginning. Um, take it off the ground 
now i kind of um um, shadowed her as well as she was getting all these things ready so now i kind of know how to do it as well she doesn't have to travel with us all the time um she usually just comes whenever we are in in in, in st louis but yes i mean this type of uh i i feel like we should use our resources as much as possible yeah. if, if they are available to us and um she was very very happy to help um, yeah. and and i've yeah we, we appreciate her and, and everybody on the team for sure nice and congrats on getting engaged by the way thank you thank you thank you yeah, yeah do you have a wedding date or uh, soon to be married yes 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 uh it is going to happen this year okay well congrats good luck with all the planning that's um yeah it's <laughs> uh even more fun than podcast coordinating <laughs> yeah 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 uh, speaking speaking from experience but let's let's bring it back to the chess christian so uh we mentioned fabiano's commentary on the world championship team um we've got the next world championship coming up i can't believe it's like a month out um I know. less I know. by the time this comes out um are you guys planning some coverage on that have you got that have you planned that far uh, ahead uh, no no, yeah, no, me either. No. <laughs> we, we haven't planned that far ahead, and uh, I cannot tell you for sure whether we're going to do anything or not. Um, whether Fabiano is going to do anything or not by himself, we don't know right now. Um, I have to say it's quite unlikely, just for the simple fact that uh, it's in Kazakhstan. It's uh, going to be 3 a.m. for. <laughs> yeah. For me, I'm not 100% sure what we can. We don't have that much experience. Uh, at least our channel is, let's say, not um, advertised or built as a streaming channel, but rather right. just uh, a podcasting channel. So branching out, maybe that's an opportunity, but we haven't really given it too much thought. But I'm sure you'll be discussing the match on the pod. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. No, 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 absolutely. Uh, now the question is whether we're going to do live coverage or something like that, or like a yeah. recap after the game. Um, but certainly, yeah, the World Championship match is is, is going to be interesting. Who do you uh, who do you think is going to win? <laughs> it's it's uh, it's such a fifty fifty match in my opinion. Um, Nepo has the experience, definitely. Um, I also think he has the drive. Uh, he 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 sensed and and he felt the way defeat feels, and 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 that can take a lot out of you, but it also changes you as a competitor. I I, I feel, and when you're given a second chance, um, I, I I think he's going to have an upper hand because of that. Uh, yeah. Because he felt how defeat feels, and and he knows how close he is right now to potentially becoming the world chess champion. Uh, so I think Nepo goes into this one as the favorite, but only a very, very slight favorite. I would want to say 55, 45. Okay. Yeah. I, I more or less agree. I definitely, uh, definitely favor. I mean, not on a personal sense, but, uh, just from a handicapping perspective, I do think, uh, experience matters. In, in it's team. huge. It's, it, it's huge. The world championship match is such a grueling, uh grueling experience um and and i know this from from a seconds perspective uh and i and i'm sure it's 
twice, three times as grueling from a participant's perspective. Uh, the amount of pressure that you're feeling, the amount of, I mean, and anything can go wrong. Yeah, and 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 you know you don't know how to prepare for those things if you don't have experience. Uh, yeah, a lot of things can go wrong. I think Nepal probably has a more established team. I'm very curious to see what Ding's team is going to be looking like. Um, I know he's uh, very much a lone wolf in general. Yeah. He, he 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 doesn't really work with a lot of other people. Uh, maybe. A few of his uh, compatriots here and there, but I have never seen him travel with anybody. In fact, um, only recently at Tata Steel, I think he was alone. I, I haven't seen anybody with him. So, um, and you know, with all the travel restrictions as well, which have eased up a little bit since uh, since last year, but still, it's 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 not clear how his team is going to look like uh, and how Dink himself is going to look like and how his preparation is going to look like going into this one. Yeah, it's all kind of shrouded in mystery. Uh, yeah. I feel like it's often that way surrounding Ding and yeah, that um, doesn't it's instill... Nepal as, as as well right now. Um, we don't know much about his team going into this World Championship either. We don't know much about his preparation even going into this. Yeah. I, I feel there... much. Exactly. There hasn't been much coverage, right? Right. But I'm saying there's a history of uh, of institutional support for Nepo. Uh, there's a history of uh, big teams and supercomputers. I mean, yeah. obviously, the geopolitical situation, unfortunately, has gotten worse in Russia. Yes. Um, so we don't know for sure that he will have that kind of support again. But considering comparing that to sort of the general lack of support that seems to be coming from China, um, I think uh, it's a it seems more probable to me than that Nepo has a big team and uh, substantial resources behind him than that Ding does. But you're right, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I tend, at least instinctually, I tend to agree with, with, with that, and that's why I favorite, uh, I'm, I'm favoring uh, Nepo. Uh, but again, it's, it's a world championship match. Uh, a game can, can sway the result and can sway the dynamics of a match. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely going to be interesting as any world championship matches. Yeah, and you mentioned of course working on the as a second. Was that more stressful than playing in a tournament yourself? E- equal oh, yeah. less? Oh yeah, no no no, way more stressful than playing in in uh, the random 20 2500 events I'm, I'm, I'm playing. <laughs> what about like a world youth championship though? Like something that that really mattered to you? Yeah, yeah, I mean I didn't have too many worries when when I was that age, <laughs> when mm-hmm. I was 16, 18, whatever. The, 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 those were the times when I didn't have too many problems. On uh, not, not that I have any problems right now, but you know, I mean, um, life as as an adult, let's say, gets more complicated. Um, but yeah, it, it's not even comparable. Uh, the World Championship match. Uh, immediately after i realized that i'm starting to have uh, gray hair so <laughs> immediately <laughs> after and i was like completely shocked by um uh, by it did not expect it but yes it's 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 definitely grueling you dedicate so many months um of your time i think i spent maybe at home two to three months um and and I guess through this medium, I have to say thank you to to, to uh, my fiance that she, um, yeah, she was able to deal with that 
because it, it's not an easy thing to do. I was gone. I think my longest in preparation for that much match was three months um, consecutively. Uh, we we went at the camp. Then maybe we stayed like a couple of days at home. Then we traveled to Europe for for I think I believe it was the Olympiad, um, and then immediately a camp. Uh, we, which was the longest camp, and I, yeah, I, I, it was three months from that particular moment to the end of the match that I, I didn't see, um, I didn't see her. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 grueling, especially if you have a family behind you. Yeah, that's tough. And then when the games are going on, I've interviewed some seconds where they say like their biggest fear is like something from their own prep showing up and and uh going wrong is, is that how it was for you <laughs> yeah 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 no uh it's 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 a painful experience for sure because uh, especially when one of the games or one of the positions that you've analyzed uh arises on the board then you start having these conflicting thoughts maybe it's going to work out but also maybe I missed something, right? Uh, especially when uh, the opponent blitzes out or like goes straight into it with confidence, and then you start questioning, wait, did we miss something in the preparation? So uh, those definitely are are uh, interesting feelings for sure, um, very conflicting feelings for sure, and you know sometimes. If if the player wins, it, it goes great and everybody's happy. If uh, if if the player loses, uh, then um, yeah, the mood can be very daunting. And did you have any any stories you can tell about your own particular prep in in 2018? Um, I mean, we we all did. I I, I would say the most prep that was played and and um. The type of positions that we entered were in the rapid match, uh, especially. Oh man, that's in, doubly stressful. <laughs> it, it, it was obviously stressful, and it wasn't very pleasant because even if the opening phase went well, the middle game phase did not go very, very well, and unfortunately, we know what happened in uh, in, in in the rapid portion. Um, but yeah, those. I, I would say the Shveshnikov was was a big one that that I was working on without giving too much detail. Um, I worked on some 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 Petrov as well, and uh, the Petrov went well. Uh, funny enough, I think it was a few months after the World Championship match that Fabiano found a hole in one of the lines that I was looking at, and oh, wow. uh, but that was just only months later with stronger engines. But yes. Luckily, <laughs> they didn't find that hole during the match. Okay, and we've got another listener question. Uh, Christian, you're a popular guy, so we got um, some good good questions submitted. This one is from uh, from Roy Lopes, who asks, he says, reflecting on the 2018 WCC, Fabiano came tantalizingly close to the title. Uh, according to your recollection, were there moments during the match in which you thought Fabiano was going to break the deadlock? Uh, if so, could you elaborate on those games? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it was. Um, I'm 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 trying to remember what the the number of the game. I think it was maybe game 
game four and six or game six and eight i remember it was um i believe two difference one of them is it was with white in uh, the zhreshnikov i think the first one when we uncorked uh, a, a nice novelty um and he got a crushing position and then he lost a very important tempo with with the move h3 fabiano was uh, was white he played this move h3 and and that kind of blew uh away the advantage that was a difficult one because we knew we got him in in, in that variation we knew we surprised him we, we it, it was a very powerful uh opening opening idea it was uh, dominguez in fact that uh found that Dominguez uh, was was in St. Louis, so he sent that idea overnight. We continued analyzing it during the day. I was uh, with Rustam in in London and with Fabiano, um, and we decided to play it. And it was a very very good idea in this uh, 95 Shreshnikov, which worked. Gave him a great position. Unfortunately, that very um, I'm trying to find. Let's say uh, it was a shy move. Uh, this this move H3 that basically just slightly improved the position, but lost a critical tempo that allowed Black to regroup his pieces. So that was painful. Um, and then it was in the game, I believe it was game six, where he was Black in the Petrov, um, and he got a great end game outplayed Magnus, and this was actually one of the key findings and key takeaways from uh, this match. Fabiano held his own in the endgame phase and in those last couple of hours phase, um, which were always like, yeah, Magnus, that's when he outplays his opponents um, because he, he he has great stamina, great energy in, the, in those last uh, couple of hours of uh, gameplay, um, and he's very resilient. Well, Fabiano matched those attributes during the match very, very well. Um, so we were happy with, with, with that. And he was able to uh, almost win with the black pieces. If you remember, it was some sort of a computer win uh, in like 64 moves or something right, like right. that. Yeah. Um, that Was that the study-like one? It, it was, was a study-like, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, it was a study-like defense to get to that point for Magnus. So just an incredible defense by Magnus. Once he understood his 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 worst, and then unfortunately he did not find the pattern necessary to to, to convert that one Fabiano that is, and uh, the game ended in a draw. Um, so those were the good moments for us. At the same time, the reverse of the coin is 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 the first game um, in which Fabi with the white pieces got surprised, uh, Magnus. Incredible preparation came with his uh, showed uh, the the, the Shreshnikov his uh, his uh, his his preparation for the match and he got a winning advantage and right before the time travel actually right on move forty I think he he blew it. Luckily for me, <laughs> it, the first day was the only day that I was able to to uh, to take a nap during the round. So I missed the part where he was completely oh, losing. Nice. Right. And then I woke up immediately after the time trouble and he was doing just fine. Uh, All right. he, <laughs> he finally equalized. So uh, 
I didn't go through this whole roller coaster of emotions in that one. Um, and of course, the last game was uh, very intriguing as well because obviously we were trying as much as possible to finish the uh, finish the match before the rapid portion. Um, we didn't want to go that much into the rapid. We knew that we're going. I mean, we knew that that's a possibility. Um, going all the way to like the middle of the match. We understood that this is going to be a very tightly contested match and there's a very high likelihood that we're going to go into the rapid tie breaks. But we were definitely trying to put as much pressure and, and, and not go there, especially when we had the white pieces. So he had the white pieces in the last one. Um, Magnus just decided to um, to make a draw from what some said was a winning position. Uh, obviously, they didn't have engines in front of them. I think the engine was showing something along the lines of minus 1.5, something along those lines. And, you know, Gary came out and said that Magnus uh, maybe doesn't have it anymore, doesn't right, have yeah. the, uh, the mental uh, resilience that he once had. But we understood it was a calculated decision by, by, by Magnus and he wanted to just have uh, four games to decide the match rather than one game to decide the match. Um, but we were also elated because we knew that he was he was worse. Uh, I did not expect the game to finish as, as soon as, as it finished. And when I saw that they, they shook hands and, and decided to call it a draw, I had to run from my hotel because I was the one usually tasked with waiting for Fabi to come out of the match and go to the press conference and then uh, go together back to the hotel. So I had to run from our hotel to like catch him and uh, just in time to, to, to go back to the hotel. Uh, but yeah, it, we were elated. We were happy uh, that no accidents happened in, in, in the last one. But yeah, fortunately after that, the, the rapid came about. Amazing behind the scenes perspective. And Christian, hearing you talk about being in London, that's another thing where I've been lucky to hear stories from like Peter Hein Nielsen being, you know, famously telling the story. And I think this is covered in the Anon files of like uh, being in Moscow and like not even realizing they're right across the street from Red Square because like they never opened the curtain of their uh, their their hotel window. Um, yeah. What was life like for you in London? Like how much I'm sure you're trying to sort of protect Fabiano from like any media maelstrom, any sort of, um, you know, um, Monday morning quarterbacking that you might hear if you get online, but what was it like for the seconds? Are you watching game recaps? Are you reading news stories about the match or do you try to sort of sequester yourself as well? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's impossible to, to, to stay completely away from it, but at the same time, the focus was on one thing and one goal only. And, um, we had to, 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 to maintain that. So um, I would say the most difficult was actually the physical aspect of it. Um, just going through three weeks and we came into this very well prepared. I want to say from, from that perspective, um, we were eating well, we had a camp in, in Spain um, leading up to the world championship match. We were getting a lot of sun getting a lot of uh, workouts in. So physically, we we came uh, very well prepared into the match. But, you know, you, you get to London, 
the weather is not amazing. Uh, one thing we didn't have was was a chef uh, with us that Magnus always brings, and I think it's uh, something that's extremely extremely important. And I'm sure if there's ever uh, an opportunity to do this again, that's one thing that we will um, not uh, sweep under the rug. The, the the necessity for having somebody that can cook you healthy meals. I think that's quite important. Um, so. You know, we were going, we found a few restaurants, not a lot of diversity because you have to optimize your timing as well. You don't have a lot of time to eat three meals a day when you have so much preparation to do and then when you have to play a match. Um, so, yeah, those were, I would say, the hard parts. Were we seeing sun? Yeah, I mean, we were seeing quite, quite a lot of sun. I mean, the, the, the workflow was good. The workflow was 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 definitely good. It was not something that we struggled very much with. Sure, maybe we were sleeping five, six hours a night, um, which it, it, it proved to to be enough. By the end of it, uh, I had some problems with with my back. Um, so you know, from sitting so much in front of the computer, uh, not moving as much. But uh, yeah, I mean, those are the drawbacks of, 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 of playing such a such a grueling match. Sounds like a terrible experience, and I'm guessing you'd do it again if you had the opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 conflicting emotions. Let's just put it that way. It's always conflicting emotions as you are into it. It's very easy to run on adrenaline. I right. think this is what we we ran on for uh, whatever the match uh, duration was, like three weeks or something along those lines. Uh, you you do run on adrenaline. Um, by the end of it, after the last day, my body actually collapsed. Um, uh, I had I had a drink uh, after uh, uh, that night after the loss. Uh, I had like a half a glass of whiskey or something like that that was your first and drink the whole that match? was my first drink in like wow. a long long time yeah, yeah yeah we 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 didn't drink anything in in preparation or anything of that not not even like a beer um so we were pretty serious about it but after the match ended the adrenaline just rushed through uh, the, the 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 body you know and, and and that was it uh that was a total collapse that night i had uh I had colds, uh, cold sweats during the night. Uh, I barely made it to my flight, um, and and Fabi was actually in the same condition as I as I was. Uh, so, and I'm sure he can elaborate more on that in if he wants to. But yeah, the, there were some physical um, physical problems, especially towards the end of it. Sounds intense. And hearing you describe it, of course, it makes a bit of sense to me why Magnus stepped down. I mean, it's it's quite the meat grinder. Um, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, I understand his decision. Um, yeah. And, yeah okay. it's, it's, and it's, it's, it's really tough. Yeah. And we have another related listener question. This one's from Chris Burke. And uh he says, as a player, but mostly a fan, the shorter time controls are much, all capital, much more accessible and enjoyable. But he'd like to know where you see the future of chess in 10 years. Do you think the trend will continue to more rapid blitz in 960? And then he says, by the way, the C-squared podcast is really a treat every time it drops. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, I don't see how it doesn't become more part of the equation of, 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 of chess. Um, the spectators enjoy it more, it feels like, even though the tension that builds up during a long, long game, uh, especially when the stakes are high, that also doesn't feel, at least by the numbers, uh, to be, uh, it's quite unmatched. Like yeah. if you look at the numbers of a world championship match, they're pretty much the highest. At the same time, when you see the numbers of a match between Magnus and Hikaru, also it's uh, jaw dropping, right? So it's driven by the spectators. It's also driven by the the players. The players enjoy it more. The players enjoy rapid and blitz more. Um, they, they, they seem to want to compete more uh, in, in that format as well as uh, online chess because they can do it from the comfort of their homes. They don't have to travel. If they have a family, they don't have to miss uh, days at, at, at home. So I see a lot of factors that are driving chess into, into, that, uh, into that shape. At the same time, I hope that Classical chess is not going to be completely phased out because it does have its uh, particular appeal. You know, it's it's very tense. Um, there's a build-up that you don't have when when you watch rapid and blitz games, um, and um, yeah, you can work with that as sponsors, as broadcasters, as as platforms that want to and as players as well you can work with that um, but yes I, I i think at best for classical chess we're going to see something along the lines of 80 percent from in, in 10 years from now 80 percent rapid and blitz and maybe 20 percent um classical chess and one thing about classical chess it cannot be played uh online right so 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 that's a big drawback uh, for classical chess, you you cannot play classical chess online. Um, it, it's just impossible. I mean, you're going to have to go to the bathroom every now and then. There's going to always be questions. What is he doing in the bathroom? Nobody can, you know. You're in the comfort of your home. Um, if somebody starts playing too well, uh, then then there's always going to be the lingering questions. What was happening during those bathroom breaks? Uh, we cannot see the whole room with 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 the cameras. These type of questions. So, yeah, that classical chess only face-to-face, -face, which has a particular appeal as well. But as we move on into this digital age, I would say um, it will take a seat back for sure. Yeah, I mean, proctored classical chess is, of course, possible where you have representatives, say, from chess.com uh, at the facility of each competitor. But yeah. when you're playing a slow game, I sort of feel like like kind of defeats the purpose you it know? defeats like, the purpose yeah 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 um and and broadly i agree with you I, but i always do feel i always see them in the comments and get emails so i always do feel compelled to say uh, i know the classical chess fans are out there you know and i'm i'm not i'm not necessarily saying i disagree with you i mean something like the the tenseness of the game six between um magnus and nepo like it's tough to match mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. in in an online uh, game, but you know we we all have to make trade-offs in life, and uh, I think the uh, benefits of online uh, overall outweigh um, the um, 
the detriments, but hopefully, hopefully the classical world championship can, can continue. And I, I, uh, you, you know, that that's, that's key. I think the, the classical world Chess championship, and, and it's a pity from that perspective, it's a pity that Magnus doesn't, doesn't play yeah. it anymore. Uh, because it's not going to be the same. Let, yeah. let, let's be honest about it. It's not going to be the same. You don't have Magnus in a world championship match with everybody knowing that right now, objectively he is the best player on the planet uh the world championship match is going to have an asterisk next to it um and we're going to have to wait and see what um what the impact of that will be on the audience on the spectators um on 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 a global audience that will be tuning in so we will compare those numbers and see exactly where we stand and see whether classical chess without um such a player like 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 magnus uh, has uh, has has a future in 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 the near term yeah we will see but speaking of classical chess christian you yourself made a somewhat rare return to the chessboard in uh november of last year how was that experience? triumphant return i want to say triumphant? <laughs> you, you, you had your own yeah you did pretty well no 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 uh oh man that was uh yeah yeah it was it, it was tough but it, it was definitely necessary i really wanted to play um i mean being on the sidelines for three years i would have never expected it if you would have asked me in like 2016 2017 2018 whether i will ever have like a break in the next 20 years of more than a few months of not playing chess, I would say, no, absolutely not. Um, and then, you know, the pandemic came, uh, the job got in the way, the jobs got in the way um, on, on some degree. It became more and more difficult uh, to find time to, to play myself. And uh, once I got the opportunity to play in this spring classic, um, I, I, and, and you know, the St. Louis Chess Club is one place that I really enjoy playing. Uh, they 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 make chess professionals and chess players, even if they're like 2500s and not like 2800s, they they make them feel like celebrities and uh, and professionals. Uh, they they respect the uh, the craft, so it's always a pleasure to play there, uh, and that's why I wanted to return there at the St. Louis Chess Club. Also in the U.S. For the most part, the open events are two rounds a day, which is something that I really despise. But yeah, you know, that's tough. that's just because I got too comfortable. <laughs> that's well, also my my mistake. I got too comfortable. You know, I, I I really don't enjoy, and I know that chess playing is not um like my main career. Let's say right, mm-hmm. uh, that's now not how I make a living. So, you know, um, whenever I do it, I I try to enjoy it. I went there. I started off horrendously. I think um, <laughs> I, I lost the first one. I barely escaped the second one. Um, I had uh, I was two points down in the end game against uh, against a um, Hungarian player that just moved to the U.S. to attend college at Webster. I'm trying to remember. Kantor, Gergely okay. Kantor, uh, 25, 70 something, um, very decent player. With the white pieces, I tried the scotch didn't go well um and i got the losing position i managed to save it and that kind of turned the event because after that um i i maybe i lost another one 
yeah, I lost in round three against Christopher Yu with the black amazing blur. Uh, and but after that, I you know I started writing the ship, and I felt that my game is sort of coming back. Um, I, I was confident despite uh, the result. Uh, I was preparing well. I was uh, you know giving enough time to preparation, choosing the right openings. Uh, I was having ideas as to where to look and what to choose in terms of openings. So that's very important as well, because when you don't have ideas, you kind of struggle with that and it can become tedious. But I had that energy that you have whenever you don't do something for a very long time that you enjoy. And then, Man. you know, if you do it too much, then it becomes uh, too much like a job. If you, if you don't do it for a very long time, you have that appetite uh, for it. Uh, as well. So I had that appetite and that helped uh, start the ship back, finished on plus one. Very good final game against Lenderman uh, with the black pieces. Uh, and and uh, yeah, I'm very happy with the result. Yeah, Lenderman's strong. So um, He yeah. won the tournament with, uh, I think, one or two rounds to spare. So by the yeah. time I played him, he already won the tournament. Um, so yeah. And when you're ramping back up, I mean, that was your first tournament in three years. Uh, in our, in, as you mentioned, if you you said if you had asked me in 2016, 2017, and 2019, I did ask you in 2017, and you talked about wanting to reach 2600. Mm-hmm. Obviously, no one foresaw the pandemic. I mean, uh, life gets in the way. But when you're ramping up for a tournament, Christian, do you did you have time to study much? Like, how did you approach it going in? No, no, I didn't study uh, much at all. But um, I. I do study on a continue, uh, continuous basis because of my students um, at, at the university. They're, they're, most of them are better than I am uh, in, 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 you know, in terms of chessability. So I have to um, get quite creative when I'm preparing materials for them. I very often compete with them during trainings as well. Um, sometimes um, I get to, to, to play games uh, practice games with them. Uh, we play positions together. So, despite the fact that I haven't played, I was still training on a continuous basis, um, and I think that's actually quite important for that a chess sense. player in general. Uh, you, you you want to continuously practice it, even if you practice it for like one, two hours a day, maybe not uh, you know the touted six to eight hours a day. Uh, but if you do it continuously, I think your game definitely improves. I felt that was the case with me, despite the fact that I didn't have that competitive aspect to back it up. Um, and sure, the first couple of games were, were, were rough, but as soon as that competitive spirit kind of came back, I, I felt that my play was um, was good enough. And Christian, that's a perfect segue into our last question from uh, David Lazarus, which is... Um... Again, I think you just answered it, but uh, what is your primary role as the coach of Missouri, the University of Missouri? Yeah, so um, we started the program in 2019. Um, It was an initiative backed by the St. Louis Chess Club. Um, So it's kind of like an equal effort of the St. Louis Chess Club and the University of uh, Missouri. Um, My primary goal is as a head coach and manager um, of, of, of the team. So initially, in the first year, it was recruiting. 
because we were a new program and uh, all the established programs recruit on um, on a year by year basis. They never stop. So it's a, the chess world is very small and especially the chess world and the chess pool of players um, that are ready for university and are good enough to receive a full ride scholarship at one of these competitive universities. So the first year I want to say was the most difficult one as as a manager because I had to find very quickly um, four players. That's what we need for a full Pan American team um, to compete at the Pan Americans, which is one of the most important uh, tournaments of the collegiate year. So first year was difficult re recruiting. Luckily, um, we managed to get a very decent bunch of players. Um, one of them right now is the highest rated player in collegiate chess, so I cannot complain too much. Talking about uh, Grigory Oparin, who was mm -hmm. one of the um, founding members, let's say, of of, of our team. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, uh, my role is to just um, coach them, uh, coach and manage them, and and manage this uh, very crucial transition for a uh, chess player, but also for a young um, young player. Right? Because most of the players that we have at the university are between the age of 18 and 20-something, 20 21, 22. Um, and that's a very crucial transition. Most of them are also international, so they have to um, change cultures, change location, sometimes leave their families behind for a prolonged period of time, which is not an easy task to do. Um, I've done that myself, so I feel that this kind of plays into my role as well. The fact that I have the experience necessary to tell them, hey, look, this is, you know, uh, this is a difficult time, but here is how you deal with it. Um, so those are my main tasks, coaching them on 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 a weekly, uh, weekly basis, uh, continuous basis, and uh, and help them with the transition from a managerial point of view. Makes sense. And for someone like Aparin, who's so strong, like what do you do in terms of helping his chess? Yeah, I mean, um, all, 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 all the coaching that we do, I feel help no matter if you're like 23, 2400 or 26, 2700. Um, the materials that I prepare are for, um, for, for uh, very high ratings. Um, very high capabilities, so I, I'm. They're not having an easy time during training, for sure. I think that's quite important. Um, we also have individual trainings outside of uh, the uh, group trainings that we often do. We also have individual trainings, which I think um, are quite important. That gives me a time and an opportunity to assess how they're doing from an individual point of view, whether uh, they're having good time in terms of their chess, uh, chess training and chess uh, form, uh, whether they're doing well in school, because a lot of things can impact um, the quality of their play. Uh, school problems at home, problems with other colleagues, who knows, anything uh, that's going on in their lives. And those things are things that I have to assess whenever we have these individual trainings as well. So, uh, but what I can do for him and what I've been doing for the last uh, four years are, yeah, just uh, 
keeping a close eye on on his training, directing his training. Um, he does a lot of things on his own as well. He's a very diligent player, and this is something that um, I try to 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 teach them how to do. Um, I try to teach them to be good on their own as well, because I don't have the time necessary to to to, to spend with each uh, individually all the time. I sometimes am gone for a commentary gig like three weeks at a time and then right. they have to deal with it uh, deal with let's say a competition that uh, is coming up for them on their own um, sometimes for example during the Grand Suisse with Oparin I worked as more or less a second even though he wasn't representing the Mizu team um, I worked with him as 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 a second um, so um, competition being in Europe I was generally speaking with him during the day here and um, when it was night at him and then doing doing work for him while he was sleeping and then he was basically checking whatever work we did um, when he was waking up so yeah those are some of the things that that we do on a continuous basis to to try to get the players better Sounds like a lot of work, but it's good that they're understanding of your own schedule that, that oh, yeah. you'll be away at times. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's good that they understand, and it's good that the university and, and, and the St. Lucia's Club understands that as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, perhaps <laughs> just as important. Um, and speaking of uh, St. Louis, uh, Christian, the, the last topic I have in mind is, of course, an, an unfortunate one, um, both on Perpetual Chess, I mentioned briefly um, in a prior episode, and I know you guys covered on C-Squared, the allegations around uh, Alejandro Ramirez, um, just for, for listeners, um, who are not familiar, I think most will be, but basically, uh, Jen Shahadi put out a statement saying that, um, there are allegations of, she herself alleged, uh, sexual misconduct. And she said she'd independently received, uh, reports of, uh, sexual misconduct. And then, uh, once it came out, um, she, when she, elaborated that she'd heard from even more uh, people. Um, the U.S. Chess issued a statement. They said, as an organization, we're committed to due process and for dealing with sensitive matters in a respectful and confidential manner. At the conclusion of any process related to a formal complaint, both complaints and respondents are notified about the disposition of the matter along with sanctions that are imposed. Um, St. Louis Chess Clubs had a statement that said, the chess club is aware of Ms. Shahadi's social media post regarding Mr. Ramirez. It cannot comment further at this time. Um, and uh, Grandmaster Ramirez's uh, lawyer said that he categorically uh, denies the allegations. So I know there's not too much we can say. It's a sensitive topic. You know uh, both parties involved. But I am just curious, Christian, if you're able to answer. Like, did did you did you know this was coming at all? No, 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 no. Um... I, I I did not know that it was coming. I see a lot of things being written that this was some sort of a dark secret uh, in in inside the chess world that that it was known about Alejandro. I I, I didn't know that about Alejandro. Uh, I have not seen um, those type of things with my own eyes, and I've also had students, um, personal students that have uh, trained with him as well. Uh, for example, the board one at the Olympic uh, U.S. Olympic team uh, is a current student at, at at Mizu, and none of these concerns were brought to my attention. Um, and I hope and I like to think that if there would have been something, um, 
it would have been brought to my attention. Um, so yes, no, I did not know that it was a complete shock. It still is, to be honest. Uh, I mean, um, th this is very personal to me as well, uh, in, in, in some capacity, of course, uh, my my sympathies are definitely with with uh, the alleged victims and and this is very very important uh to understand that sexual assault is uh, is a yeah it's it's huge um and it has to be dealt with swiftly and uh, decisively so but at the same time i i feel there has to be due process and uh we have to wait until we have all the information available and the parties that are conducting investigations right now um, finish those investigations. I think that's that, that that's quite important. That's why we chose on uh, CSQ to not delve deeper into <laughs> into this very unpleasant topic. Um, so, yeah, uh, those those are I would say some of some of my comments. Okay. Yeah. And obviously, um, you know, there's, um, legal issues involved. So I, I appreciate your, your speaking about it. And yeah, I mean, obviously the, the main thing I think that we all want is for, for the truth to come out. What it, absolutely. You know. uh, uh, absolutely. This, this, this is the most important, um, again, it's, it's a very sensitive and very important topic as well. Um, and, um, it, it, it should be dealt with it very, very swiftly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, well, Christian, I'm sorry to end on a somber note. Um, any, <laughs> no let's, um, let's find something, um, brighter to end on. Do you, do you have a, so we were just discussing OTB, any other, any other tournaments on your calendar? <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm, I just accepted an invitation to play in, uh, Sharjah masters, which is going oh, to wow. happen in, uh, in May. Um, I think it will be uh, one day after the conclusion of the GCT Romania, which I will be doing commentary for um, in Bucharest. So immediately after, probably I will fly to, to, to Sharjah. Um, still unclear, but those are the plans right now, That's which is going to be a very, very, whew, very serious. Only 80 players uh -huh. in the Masters section, and it's only over 2,500, so I will be facing killers left and right. Um, it's basically like a closed event in in, in the disguise of an open. Uh, you, you play only Grandmasters. Um, very professional players all around. Two of my students most likely will be playing i think grigory oparin is going to be playing uh perhaps uh harshid raja is is trying to get in but he's 2498 right now he's <laughs> he still needs two more rating points to make it to that 2500 threshold uh but hopefully he makes it and perhaps he will be playing as well um so that's that's the only one as of right now that i have um on my calendar Okay, well, it's a big one. We certainly wish you luck in that. So you've got that. You've got the commentary gig in Romania. Anything else? You, getting married? Anything else? Uh, it's, major it's a busy on the calendar? year. It's it, it's a busy year. Um, we'll be between the the podcast, uh, American Cup is just about to start. Um, I will be doing commentary on that one as well. Um, so. I haven't done commentary in a while, so getting back into the booth, I think, is going, <laughs> is going to be an interesting experience. Uh, but it's always uh, it's always a pleasure to do so. Um, so 
that's the big one. That's the next big one, American Cup, which starts in a couple of weeks from now, March um, 14 or 15, something along those lines. And yeah, after that, uh, April is the World Championship match, to which I don't think we will be doing anything in particular, but definitely keep an eye on, on the channel, on the CSQ uh, channel, because we will be doing some some uh, recaps, most likely. So yeah, those uh, those are the things. As of okay. Right well, glad to hear it, listeners. You guys probably already know, but check out C Squared on the podcast apps, as well as on YouTube, where they're killing it. Um, and Christian, hearing how busy you are makes me all the more appreciative. Thanks for taking the time. It was good to catch up after several years. Yeah, always a pleasure to to, to come back and chat with you, Ben. And uh, once again, congratulations to to you and your listeners who have been supporting you from day one. I mean, it's a uh, it's a great endeavor you're doing. You're 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 putting incredible content out there, and yeah, I wish you all the energy uh, to 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 maintain it and and keep it up. Right back at you, Christian. Thank you. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.